Hi, Rebels. This Financial Literacy Month, Rebel Girls teamed up with Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families, to bring you everything you need to be smart with your money and to build healthy habits that last a lifetime. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to make smart choices with every penny, whether you're saving for something special or learning to invest. Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlight.com slash rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life. Once upon a time, there was a girl who wanted to make sure every eligible American could vote. Her name is Stacy. Stacy was born in 1973, and she grew up in a small town in a small brick house in Gulfport, Mississippi. Stacy's father worked at a shipyard, and her mother was a librarian. Her family had a lot of love and a lot of books. Stacy loved diving into stories that transported her to faraway worlds. Wow. She even read the encyclopedia sometimes. But her family didn't have much money. Every once in a while, their electricity or water was cut off because her parents couldn't pay the bills. But Stacy's parents said having nothing was not an excuse for doing nothing. So Stacy and her brothers and sisters volunteered with their parents. They served food at soup kitchens and they taught people to read at their church. Stacy carried these lessons into her adulthood. And one day when Stacy got older, she would dedicate her life to helping others by fighting for their rights. I'm Hanat Baba, and this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, a fairy tale podcast about the rebel women who inspire us. On this episode, Stacey Abrams, outspoken politician, proud Georgian, novelist, and a fierce protector of Americans' right to vote. When Stacy was young, she wanted to know everything. And so she read everything. She gobbled up all different kinds of books on so many different subjects. Chemistry, physics, history, mythology, poetry. She thought one day she might be a physicist or even a writer. Her parents also loved to learn. And when Stacy was in high school, they moved to Atlanta, Georgia, so her parents could study to become Methodist ministers. At Stacy's new high school in Atlanta, she worked harder than ever. She got good grades, and her senior year, she became her high school's first black valedictorian. In Georgia, Valedictorians were all invited to meet the governor at a big party. On the day of the reception, 
Stacy's family took the bus across town to a wealthy neighborhood. When they got off the bus and Stacy saw the governor's mansion, her mouth dropped open. The building was humongous, three stories tall and made of dark red bricks with white columns as thick as trees lining the front. When Stacy and her family approached, the security guard looked them up and down. This is a private event, he said gruffly. Stacy's father stood tall. This is my daughter Stacy, he said. She's one of the valedictorians. The guard raised his eyebrows. I told you, the guard said. This is a private event. You don't belong here. <gasps> Stacy's cheeks burned. She had been invited by the governor himself. Eventually, the guard let them in. But Stacy didn't notice the glimmering chandeliers or the shiny marble floors. She didn't pay attention to how the food tasted. Around her, the smiling faces looked like empty ghosts. All she could think about was that security guard, that look on his face, like they were something less than. And those three words, you don't belong. Stacy enrolled in Spelman College, a historically black college in Atlanta. There, she filled her brain with all that she could, but she put her learning into action, too. As a freshman, she attended Atlanta City Council meetings to learn how the city worked. In 1992, she became a campus leader and she coordinated protests against police violence. She even debated the Atlanta mayor on television. He was so impressed, he later offered her a job in his office. And in 1993, at age 19, Stacy stood in front of the Lincoln Memorial and spoke to tens of thousands of people at the 30th anniversary of the March on Washington. And today, I come to you as a young person, as a young woman, as a young black woman, to ask you to use us, use the young people of the United States of America to pave a road that will last forever. By the time Stacy graduated college, she had already done so much. But she wasn't finished. In college, after a bad breakup, Stacy had made a list of all the things she wanted to be and do. And there were three big ones. Publish a best-selling novel, become a millionaire with her own business, and be elected mayor of Atlanta. So first, Stacy went to graduate school at the University of Texas and law school at Yale. And as if law school wasn't challenging enough, while there, she wrote and published her first novel under a pen name. 
And then, at the age of 29, she was hired as the deputy city attorney for Atlanta. For her, it was just one step closer to her dream of becoming mayor. One day, Stacy told a colleague about her dreams, but her colleague challenged her. What if you aimed higher? Stacy thought hard about this. Hmm. Was it only Atlanta she wanted to help? What if, instead, she served the people throughout Georgia or even the United States? So in 2006, Stacy ran for and was elected to the Georgia House of Representatives. For 10 years, Stacy served as a state legislator. She loved reading and writing bills. She even liked working with people from the opposing party. But Stacy also saw a problem. A lot of people in Georgia weren't registered to vote. And sometimes people who tried to vote, they weren't able to. It was a big problem and it had roots deep in United States history. I have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called IF which stands for Imaginary Friends. Pretty cool, am I right? IF is so much fun, with lovable fuzzy giants and bright new galaxies. It stars Kaylee Fleming as B, a girl who discovers that she can see everyone else's ifs. Meanwhile, Cal, played by Ryan Reynolds, can also see ifs. Together, they team up and go on a magical adventure to reconnect forgotten ifs with their kids. IF is from the brilliant mind of writer-director John Krasinski. It also stars John Krasinski, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Maya Rudolph, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina, and Steve Carell, just to name a few. It celebrates the incredible power of curiosity and creativity, and it's definitely a laugh-out-loud adventure for the whole family. IF comes out in theaters starting May 17th and is guaranteed to knock your socks off. What? Oh, Penelope says she wears two pairs of socks at all times. Also, that imaginary friends get limitless refills on popcorn. So join us in the theater on May 17th. Bring your imaginary friends too. After the Civil War, Black men were granted the right to vote in 1867. But for a long time, many white leaders, especially those in the South, made it nearly impossible to do so. For example, sometimes Black people were charged a fee for voting, and a lot of them couldn't afford it. At other times, they had to pass tests 
or answer impossible questions, things white voters were not asked to do. For more than a century, Black activists fought against these unfair policies. They rallied and they demonstrated. And some were even killed for fighting for their right to vote. Then finally, in 1965, the Federal Voting Rights Act was passed, and it banned those unfair policies. As legal protections increased, people who tried to stop black and brown citizens from voting only got sneakier. Some political leaders deleted voter registrations. Others passed strict rules that made it harder for people to register to vote. These kinds of things were happening in Georgia even in the 2010s. At the same time, the population in Georgia was changing and many young people and people of color were moving to the state. Stacy and her colleagues believed that the voices of all these eligible voters had to be heard. So in 2014, she founded an organization called the New Georgia Project, and it worked to register voters of color and protect their right to vote. From 2014 to 2018, the New Georgia Project registered 200,000 eligible voters. Stacy worked hard to make these projects possible, even as she still served in the House of Representatives. She stayed quite busy. Some days, though, her mind wandered to her old dream of becoming Atlanta's mayor. In her head, she heard her colleague's voice telling her to dream bigger. And then it came to her she would try to become the governor of Georgia. Some of her friends called this dream impossible. Georgia had never had a black governor before. Georgia had never had a woman governor before. Plus, Stacy was a Democrat, and there hadn't been a Democratic governor in Georgia in the last 20 years. In fact, if she was elected, Stacy would be America's first black female governor ever elected in any state. But Stacy refused to give up. She crisscrossed the state, giving speeches and meeting with her fellow Georgians. She told stories about growing up in Mississippi about almost being turned away from the governor's mansion and about her hardworking and compassionate parents who still struggled to make ends meet. Stacy's stories resonated with Georgians, and as her momentum built, she created a coalition of young, black and brown and progressive voters. And all of them turned out to vote for her in record numbers on Election Day in November 2018. But something awful also happened on Election Day in Georgia in 2018. More than 200 polling places were suddenly closed, most in poor or Black neighborhoods. Thousands of voters found that their voter registration applications had been placed on hold 
for no apparent reason, and they were denied their right to vote. Even when Stacy went to cast her own ballot, the election officials told her she had already voted. Fortunately, Stacy knew how to clear up a mistake like that, but not everyone did. And not everything seemed like a mistake. As Stacy watched the election results pour in, her heart stood on a razor's edge. The race was close, and her opponent was in the lead. In the end, Stacy received 1.9 million votes, more than any other Democratic candidate in any race in Georgia's history. But Stacy lost by just over 54,000 votes. Stacy knew she could keep fighting. She knew voters had been unfairly turned away from the polls. But now, there was a bigger problem to solve. It's not my right to be governor, Stacy thought, but it is their right to vote. Suddenly, Stacy had a new dream. Soon after she lost the election, Stacy launched three organizations that worked to register eligible voters and ensure that every American could have a voice in the election system and government. Stacy spoke at conferences, rallies, and special events. She worked, she planned, and she led. Through the efforts of Stacy and her fellow activists, more than 800,000 new voters in Georgia registered to vote between 2018 and 2020. And almost half of those voters were people of color. Later, Stacy and her colleagues finally saw the results of their work. In the 2020 election and the 2021 runoff for two Senate seats in Georgia, a record-breaking number of voters turned out to vote. Many of them were first-time voters, and many were young and people of color. Stacey Abrams has already had a long and successful career, from working as a lawyer in Atlanta, to publishing 10 books, to serving in the Georgia legislature, to being nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. But she's not finished yet. Stacy remains committed to protecting Americans' right to vote and addressing racial inequalities. And every year, she updates that list she made when she was 18. In recent years, it seems she may have typed in another dream, become president of the United States. It might be bold, but as Stacy once said, Practice boldness, and the world adapts. This podcast is a production of Rebel Girls. It's based on the book series, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. Executive producer is Katie Springer. 
This episode was produced by Isaac Kaplan Wolner. It was sound designed and mixed by Camille Stennis. A special thanks to the whole Rebel Girls team who make this podcast possible. This episode was written by Alexis Stratton, proofread by Ariana Rosas. It was narrated by me, Hannah Baba, and you'll get to know me better on Thursday's episode. Original theme music was composed and performed by Eletra Barjaki. For more, visit rebelgirls.com. Until next time, stay rebel. Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right. You can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening.